Hello, hello! Welcome back to the Feel Good Factor. I'm Susmita Vigunasaurus, and I'm so glad you could join me here today. Hey, hey, hey! You know the course I've been going on about. It's ready. It's called Ignite Your Joy, and it's five days of. different different activities meditations and food tips to help you make happiness your highest priority it's a lot of fun i put a lot of work into it and i really hope that you will join me in the course it's going to be available for free only until the 20th of october 2020 so check the link in the show notes and go book your spot right now Alternately you can visit my website veganosaurus.com that is www.veganosaurus.com and go to the online courses section in the menu to find a link to this ignite your joy free 5 day mini course and now let's move on to today's guest Hey everyone I'm so excited to introduce our special guest today to all of you if you've been on my mailing list you would have already heard about her you'd be familiar with her because I share links to her meditations I've shared it multiple times and if you haven't then here we go get to know her her name is Marissa Iman and she is multi talented multi passionate and that is the kind of energy that i really vibe with marissa is very very passionate about meditation and she's beautiful and very powerful with her meditations she channels these messages and then she's a musician so she creates this beautiful music to go with the meditations of course apart from this she has many other interests many other talents and uh, yeah she's also recently an author i can't wait uh, for all of you to meet this amazing woman and feel her super positive beautiful powerful energy oh hey, my gosh hi sismita oh my god i love that thank you i'm so happy to be here <laughs> i'm i'm so glad you joined too and i'm glad we didn't miss each other so giving everyone <laughs> background I miscalculated the time difference, and instead of deducting two and a half hours from my time, I added two and a half hours from my time. So I was expecting to be interviewing Marisa like five hours from now. <laughs> <laughs> But fortunately, we figured things out, and uh, here she is. <laughs> <laughs> It's all perfect. Everything in perfect timing. Yeah, it, that's the way the universe works. It's all meant to be. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I love how like every time we think that we're running late or something's off or whatever, if we instead just are open to the possibility that whatever is happening is for perfect timing, it it always is. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, often we tend to struggle against it because we feel like we don't have control. Mm. But it there's a huge difference you feel when things feel out of your control in terms of timing or people not keeping things the way you expected it. But then finally, if you just say no, it's meant to be. This is 
what is supposed to be happening and that that relief that you feel is just amazing right 100% yeah it, it it's so much easier life becomes so much easier when you're like oh, i guess the timing's just working out perfectly it, you can just let go it's like putting your hands off the wheel in some ways it's just it's relaxing you know while we're having this conversation i suddenly remembered that you've even done a time god course yeah oh my gosh that's so funny i didn't i didn't know if if you and i had ever talked about that before but Because for so long, I was like a workaholic. (laughs) I would work like 80 hours a week and I didn't know who I was if I wasn't working. And I felt like all my worthiness relied on that. And there was just – I had so many uncomfortable feelings around time. And then once I started to be like, this isn't healthy. I need to work on this. I realized a lot of the work I had to do was to let go and trust that timing is working out perfectly. I'm always where I need to be. and it it was it was quite a process um but it's led me from that place of like <laughs> working 80 hours a week and feeling like i had no time for myself to working for myself and having really flexible for the most part time schedule for myself and it all it all started with that shift in mindset what uh, did you teach? Uh, you you still have the course available if people want to sign up for it. All these teachings from yes. uh, what you've learned, yeah. So what what does the course teach people? Like how does it work? Yeah. So one of the first things is to really be honest about your time. <laughs> um, so often we're like, well, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. <laughs> but if you look at how long those things actually take. So one of my things I was really guilty of was always being like, oh, I don't have time to do the dishes right now. I don't have time to put the dishes away. Like it was always dishes <laughs> and or laundry or something. And then I, I time myself and how long those things take. And it was like less than five minutes. <laughs> like, wait, why have I been saying I don't have time for this? <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the things is to just be really honest about all those all those things you're always saying to yourself that you don't have time for. Just mm-hmm. sit down one day and time how long those things that you often say you don't have time for take. Because then in the future, the next time you hear yourself saying it, you're probably going to laugh at yourself and be like, okay, wait, <laughs> I do have five <laughs> minutes. I do have, uh, it might even have been like, two minutes and 45 seconds or something for me to like wash and put the dishes away. It was so, so such a short amount of time. <laughs> so uh, of course I don't have children either. So it was just me. So it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably more if you have a whole family, but I, you know, I started to get honest about how things take, how long things take. And then from there shifting my mindset of, I recognized all the times that I was like, I don't have time for this. I can't do that that won't work out. Uh, There's no way, there's no possible way I could fit that in my schedule, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be late. All of these thoughts were my go-to thoughts. So I thought, if that's what I'm always thinking, then that's always going to be my reality because I'm a really strong believer. This is even in the work that I do around working well with emotional intensity, that your beliefs are what create your reality. And I don't know, I'm fairly sure science is going to completely prove that in our lifetimes. But I recognize that if I'm constantly thinking, I don't have time for this, I'm going to be late for that, that's not going to work out, blah, 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 that of course that's why nothing was working out. So I got really honest about looking at every time I had those thoughts and replacing them with, well, what if this is exactly what's supposed to be happening? What if this is perfect timing? What if I'm not quote unquote late? but arriving at the perfect time for me. I don't need to know why I'm arriving at this time. 
uh, a lot of the times <laughs> in my life, like all my friends in college and high school would think of me as someone who's notoriously quote unquote late. <laughs> but now that I've shift and now that I've shifted my mindset around it, I recognize that whatever time I arrive somewhere, it's almost always for some kismet kind of thing. You know, I, I might bump into just the right person at just the right time, or mm. I might catch something on the radio that I wouldn't have if I wasn't in my car at a different time, or who knows what the reasons are. But once you start shifting the inner dialogue from, I don't have time for this, I'm late for that, whatever the dialogue is that's about time constriction, to instead being like, I'm arriving in perfect timing. Everything is unfolding in perfect timing. Everything's working out for me. Then all of a sudden, it's like your outer world just starts to shift and reflect that and you become a time god or a time goddess. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is very beautiful and it really, really resonates with me. It's something that uh, I have felt and I've realized that more and more over the recent years where I would struggle with things not working out the way I wanted them, things going out of control. But like you said, like truly believing and knowing, it's not just belief, it's knowing for sure that you are at a certain place at the right time, the place, the time, everything is meant to be. Being in that feeling really, really changes your life, changes your world. And you know, I'm I'm glad the whole uh, we we hadn't even planned to have the conversation about time today, but I'm so glad. See, that worked out too. The way exactly it was right, and whoever's listening right now, they are meant to be listening to this message. One hundred percent, yes. So, Marisa, you were talking about emotions, right? So, you have grown up. And you have dealt with a lot of very powerful, strong emotions, whether the uplifting, joyful ones or the ones that bring you down. There's a whole lot of that. There's a whole range of that that you have felt and dealt with and come out of. So can you share a little bit more about your emotional journey? Oh my gosh. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you for asking about that, Susmita. So I, um, <laughs> as a kid, I didn't know that I had what would later be diagnosed as bipolar type one. And I just thought that everyone felt the way I felt and everyone had months where they hated themselves and wanted to die and then had months where they felt like they were wonderful and life was wonderful. And sometimes it wouldn't even be months. It'd be every other day. You'd look at my journal and it'd be one day I was just the worst person in the world. And then the next day, everything was amazing. And so there's all these intense ups and downs, but I just picked up the message from society that I needed to put a smile on my face. And fortunately, my parents had paid for six years of dental work and braces that gave me a a big smile. And I would hide behind that big smile and I would just put it on everywhere I went and act like everything was okay until it just caught up with me. When I was 19, I experienced a manic episode where I thought that I was either a superhero here to save the world or an evil villain sent to destroy the the hero version of me. And I would go from being able to do absolutely anything, all of the schoolwork that I had going on and, and then some, and to being able to do nothing. And there was such intense highs and lows that I actually really disconnected from reality. I, I wasn't sure 
exactly where I was sometimes or what I was doing. I thought all my friends were plotting against me. And this led to me uh, receiving that diagnosis for the first time and pretty much being told that I'd have to be medicated for life. Otherwise, I would become manic again, which is also it's clinically insane. So that was a pretty strong fear that I had was to become insane again. It, It kept me wanting to just stay on the medications and not feel anything too strong one way or another. And then one day it hit me. I was either at the mercy of my moods or the mercy of the pills, but either way, I wasn't just me. Mm -hmm. And since then, it's been about seven years of working with my emotions to learn how to live well with them versus feeling like I have to run from them or hide from them or be at the mercy of them. And at this point, I haven't needed medications for, I believe it's about five years. And it's not that I don't still get those intense lows or those intense highs, but now because I'm not running away from them, because I'm being mindful with them, I'm being present with them, I'm asking them, what are you here to show me? What am I here to learn from with you? We work together and I really feel like our society at least it's like this in the States. I'm not sure if if you had this experience growing up, but here it's like, you know, if you're not happy, then things are bad. Then you shouldn't have that experience and you should either medicate it away or do whatever you need to, to feel happy. And yeah, happiness is wonderful, but who's to say that feeling sorrow, feeling grief, feeling despair, feeling concern isn't also beneficial, isn't also exactly what we need to feel at a certain time. And as long as it doesn't become our only state, as long as we're working with it and through it, then it's actually very beneficial, at least in my life personally. So even though I still feel intense highs and lows now at this point in my life, there are days when I'm like, oh, just give me a pill. I wish I didn't have to feel this way. But 90% of the time, I think to myself, I would never trade this for the world. I love having these intense highs and lows. Mm -hmm. And I kind of understand what you're trying to say. And of course, I can't relate because bipolar, of course, is a serious medical condition. But I would say that all of us on some level, we do feel you know, it's 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 a natural part of uh, life, feeling highs and lows. It's just that with bipolar, it's a lot more intense, correct? Yes, yeah. Um, and it's tough to say, you know, who's to say that what someone else is experiencing isn't as intense and maybe hasn't been diagnosed as bipolar. It's so hard to know because mm. your mm. my level of intense – who knows, maybe someone else's is a million times more and I just can't even imagine. It, it's tough to to be able to tell what other people are feeling. But if it feels intense to you and you've been running away from it, I just get curious about it instead and and be open to learning what it has to teach us. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You see, my, my show is called The Feel Good Factor. And uh, before people come on to it or people before, before people listen to it, they assume it's only all about happy, happy, happy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Brush the rest under the carpet kind of a thing. But 
that's not what it is and i so agree with you that the whole journey and the process of feeling good it's a process so when you feel low when you feel down working through those emotions and then going back up instead of uh, just dwelling on them and i love what you say about curiosity about looking into it like hey what are you here to teach me okay let me experience you and feel you that's it takes courage to look at it that way but it's so beautiful and it's very very powerful because then you won't be afraid of it the next time it comes you're not going to be afraid that oh no now i'm down now i'm feeling like this so you're like okay now what lesson do i have what does it have to teach me and when you are up and when you are feeling full of energy even then i think you know you feel uh, humbled because you know that this is not going to last all the time right so we seem to we get carried away by our feelings but instead what you are saying what you are suggesting to everyone is not get carried away by them but to actually work with them alongside with them and negotiate them i love that yeah and i think <laughs> that's a really good point about when you're high to recognize like when you're in that emotional high to be so grateful for it because you know it is fleeting it's not going to be a constant and so i do think i'm i'm so much more appreciative of all of my strong upper emotions than i ever used to be because i i didn't have the relationship that i have with my emotions until you know the past 7 years or so and when it comes to the the lower emotions that we're always kind of like pushing aside or acting like they're not there or trying to smile over you know really in my personal experience a lot of times those feelings that i want to avoid or or used to want to avoid those are usually something happening because a wounded part of my childhood is now like hey hey Hey, you forgot to look at this part of me. And it's being triggered now as an adult because I never dealt with it when I was a kid. And if if I were to recognize that, it's no longer the scary weird thing that's happening inside of me. It's just this wounded part of me wishing I would give it love. And when we think about small children in the middle of the night crying out because they're afraid they have a monster under their bed. We don't go like, oh, just ignore it. Just act like it's not there. Just smile anyway, right? We're like, let's turn on the light and look at it together. You know, we love them and we let them know, hey, let's look. And we're not doing that with our emotions. And it's the same thing. When you turn on the light and you look, you're like, oh, it's just a scared inner child within me. I better love that part of me. Mm, that's a beautiful comparison you know talking about your emotions comparing them to a child and that's very very beautiful because uh, you know when when it comes to fearful uh, lower emotions usually uh, the reason we go into the spiral if somebody gets into a spiral of that is because we're like oh no especially people uh, who are spiritual right because we feel like our journey is working towards the higher emotions which is true but you have to work through the lower ones to get to the higher ones and uh, we always feel like oh no why am i feeling down why am i feeling uh, uh, quote unquote negative why am i feeling and then you feel guilty and then you you know feel anger towards those emotions and things like that but what i learned in the more recent years maybe about 3 4 years now is recognizing those feelings and forgiving them and loving them and not just hating them for being there but actually accepting them and then 
soothing them and calming them down and you know what you said about treating them like a child that's a perfect way to explain it to someone to say like okay this is a way you're going to teach a treat a baby like a kid so yeah please do that you know please treat your lower emotions that way too and that's very very beautiful i love that you mentioned especially in the spiritual community how people want to just focus on the higher emotions and i think a misconception for for those who might be new to the law of attraction you see this a lot in kind of the surface work related to law of attraction. And not that I'm an expert, but I have been studying it for about the same amount of time that I've been working on my emotions, about seven, eight-ish years. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of misconceptions are that you just got to affirm good things, focus on the good, only focus on the good because then you attract the good. But it's like, "Mm." (laughs) well, you can be saying, I'm happy, I feel good, all you want. But if you're ignoring all those things inside of you that you're trying to act like they're okay, it doesn't mean they're not there. (laughs) You're still a magnet for more of those things until you work through them. And so just as you were saying, if you were to be mad about having them or shame yourself for having them, you're just adding fuel to the fire. You're just increasing all of those feelings and acting like they're not there. It's 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 like having a backseat driver that's just a total maniac screaming at you, telling you where to go. <laughs> and <laughs> instead, you you listen to it and work with it, then you can really become What's beautiful about it is that usually it's telling you how to get clear on your desires. So for example, if your fear is saying, or if that lower emotion, usually identify, what am I feeling? Okay, I'm feeling anxiety. Anxiety, what message do you have to say to me? Usually the message is something like, you're not good enough. Your dreams are too big, something like that. But for the sake of this dialogue, let's just choose one thing. So your dreams are too big. All right. Thank you so much, anxiety, for giving me this message because this must mean I have a strong desire to feel as though my dreams are exactly perfect for me, that they are exactly what I'm here to do in this lifetime. Thank you, anxiety, for helping me get clear on the fact that my desire for that is strong because we don't feel fear or anxiety for things we don't care about, right? Like I'm not going to be afraid that I'm going to turn into spaghetti tomorrow because I don't I don't like have any strong emotions around that. But you only get fear and anxiety around things that you genuinely care strongly about. So that anxiety, it's like, hey, thank you for being here, for reminding me that I have a strong, passionate desire to feel as though my dreams are the perfect size for me. They're exactly what I'm here to do in this life. And every time that anxiety comes up from now on, I'm going to be like, thank you for reminding me to lean into that desire. I am so excited to lean into that desire. And the beautiful thing is once you look at that fear and anxiety that you thought you could just ignore, that you thought you could just shame away, now you're leaning in to the actual desire, becoming a magnet for those desires. So really, when you just focus on the positive and avoid the negative, you're actually missing out on how strong the positive can actually be. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I never looked at it that way, where it makes you, where it reflects what your desire is very strongly. And I'd always looked at it more in terms of, okay, all these negative feelings are taking up space. And then unless you clear them out, the positive doesn't come. But what you're talking about, how they're a magnet for the positive to come into your life even more. And 
that's a beautiful new way of looking at it. Yeah, but they're only a magnet if we work with them. If we're like, hey, what do you have to tell me? Because they're otherwise they're uh, they're a magnet for more of those same old feelings of my dreams too big. I'll just keep attracting things that make me feel that way. But if I listen to the fear and I go, wow, I must have a strong desire to feel as though my dreams are perfect for me. Thanks for reminding me. When we can feel grateful that it's reminding me about my desires, now I can lean into my desires even more. And I feel when I do that, then the the fear naturally lessens. It shifts. It's like two ends of a stick. It's It all of a sudden goes up towards the opposite side. And it's a continual process. The fear will keep popping up and I won't be mad at the fear for continuing to pop up. Um, there are times when it just feels like a lot and I, I'll have to sit with it for maybe even a few days sometimes. Last week, I was really depressed for a few days. But now instead of being bothered by the fact that I'm depressed, I just know that something good is happening. There's a reason why I feel so intensely right now, and it may take a lot of work to uncover it, but I'm so excited because it means that there is something really strong and good on the other side. And and that's just the shift that that I've made that has absolutely changed my life. Listening to you speak about all this, it hints towards your intuition it shows how strong an intuition that you have and uh, you know you're in tune with the higher self your inner self your higher energies with the universe's vibrations much more and that is what is helping you actually see all these things uh, so clearly with with a certain level of detachment and yet love so that you know, brings me to your meditations because I know that your meditations are, uh, it is it is all channeled, right? You channel the whole thing. Can you explain a bit about your meditation process and also how you even got into it, how long it's been and did this whole emotional journey of yours help you get into this path of meditation and teaching meditation? Yeah, such a good question. It actually was the catalyst for my growth into emotional well-being. Around the time that I recognized that I was either at the mercy of pills or the mercy of moods, I was hungry for a better way. And I just had this suspicion that meditation would be the better way. And at the same time, I was also heavily medicated for ADD, and I had this belief, again, our beliefs create our reality. I believed with all my heart that there was no way I could sit still in meditation. I also had the false belief that meditation was simply sitting still and having an empty mind, which I think a lot of people, if you don't know anything about meditation, have that false conception about it versus it's just a tool to help you become more present. So I put on guided meditations on my MP3 player or my phone, (laughs) and I was acting like music went out of style. Everywhere I went, I would play guided meditations. Uh, Not that I recommend driving while listening to them. Don't do that, right? But I was was doing it while walking, while driving, while while working. I I was just constantly listening to guided meditations, and I found that in doing so, even if I was walking, even if I was washing dishes, even if I was doing something else, all of a sudden, my mind wasn't either a million miles ahead of me or a million miles behind me where I'd be thinking, oh, yesterday in the meeting, I said X, Y, and Z, or 
tomorrow I have to work on this grant proposal and what am I going to say? And my mind was always doing those things. And I found that by playing meditations while while doing daily kind of mundane things, I was more connected to my breath. I could feel my body present where it was right then and there. And that transition led to me feeling comfortable sitting in stillness. And I think that my soul or my guides knew that I needed to have very vivid visualizations in order to have longer sits. You know, I'm not really sure. I, I also was a total atheist when I started this and I didn't believe in anything. Then I realized the same argument that I had about atheism is the same argument you could have about anything. Cause my argument was you can't prove it. It's like, well, you also can't not like you can't prove something doesn't exist either. So I was like, <laughs> I can't really be clinging on to that anymore. So I decided to just be open to anything that would be of my highest, most loving good. And I basically decided to create my own spiritual beliefs because not having any wasn't serving me. So I decided to just believe that I am loved and supported by this energy that creates worlds. It's within me. It's within everyone. And I would lean into that and sit in stillness. And all of a sudden, I would just go on epic journeys. When I would sit down, I I'd be shown these movies basically and I didn't know that not everyone has that happen and recently actually I just discovered almost the other day uh that perhaps what's happening is is categorized as a sleep disorder so I think that other people who are hearing this might know what I mean. So before I fall asleep, it's the same thing that happens before I fall asleep. I'm just like taken on these journeys. And then when I wake up, I'll know I'm awake. Um, I'm awake. I know that because my boyfriend usually wakes up before me, I'll know he's getting ready and I'm fully awake, but I'm also dreaming. And uh, it's very similar when I meditate. And so I wonder if, if some people who have this, you know, it's categorized as a sleep disorder, but I wonder if it's actually just, um, really strong intuition. But but basically, like I said, I just Googled that and found that out recently. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of it being categorized as a sleep disorder. That's just crazy. <laughs> you yes. know? I mean, I've, you know, the, I, I know the feeling that you're talking about, right? So that yeah. is kind of like being in that zone, uh, ta- you know, being very much in the moment and being aware of things that are happening around you, but not being attached, you know, being detached from 100%. Everything. Yeah. Right? And I, this is surprises me to hear that it's categorized as a sleep disorder I mean <laughs> yeah that blew my mind I was like wow how many people are being told that this is a disorder when instead just like with bipolar like I was told that it's a disorder and I still I only really uh use the categorization because I want to destigmatize it I think mm-hmm. if I wasn't on such a strong mission to to destigmatize mental illness that I wouldn't use the category for myself anymore but i i use it just to to make sure i can talk about it in a way where it's not stigmatizing there's it's not a big deal it's actually having intense emotions is actually really positive and 
I think that with the sleep quote unquote disorder, a lot of people have been probably been told that it's a bad thing and they should use medication to fix it or whatever. But, (laughs) you know, it surprised me so much to see that that was listed as a disorder. And meanwhile, my whole life, I just thought it was really cool that I have dreams before I fall asleep and after I wake up. Uh, (laughs) We we work towards that, you know, and a lot of practices, in fact, in the healing practices, we are taught that, okay, this is the time, this is the alpha state and, uh, you know, all that you get into that whole zone and just before you fall asleep, just when you wake up, that's the right time. Uh, In fact, uh, there is also a lot of, uh, you know, belief that at least in India, there's there's this belief that if you dream of something early in the morning, I guess it's an oversimplified way of putting the same thing across. They say that if you have an early morning dream, it will come true or it is it is potentious. You know, that's mm. that's the belief. And this, I would say that it's not that it's every early morning dream. It's the it's that state that you're talking about between wakefulness and sleep. And yeah. when you have thoughts, then it's probably because you're tapping into the vortex and you're getting those messages uh, that, okay, you know, you, you, you have, you're looking at things from a higher perspective and therefore it is portentous because you are seeing what would be happening, right? I love that. Yeah. So I think when I first started meditating, it was so visual, so much fun. I, mm-hmm. and that's, or what, after I was finally sitting, right? So after I'd been listening to guided meditations, when I finally decided to just sit in stillness, I would use binaural beats a lot of the time and I would just sit and just allow these visions to happen. And I made the mistake of, I read a book on opening to channel, but I, that's the title of the book, opening to channel but I did not read it all the way through. And again, I had just gone from being a total atheist to just being like, I'll just pretend to believe in something, right? I just like chose, (laughs) I just chose to believe because I I thought, you know, I could choose one way or another. Either way, you're making a conscious choice to not believe in something or to believe in something. Neither way can be totally proven. So you might as well do what works for you. So at this point, I didn't know what other people believed when it came to the spiritual world. And I'd opened this book and I was like, hey, friend, a really good friend of mine. I was like, I'm just going to channel a message for you. Why not? And I didn't yet learn about calling in angels or only opening to loving energy. And I think at this point, mm-hmm. I'd only received loving messages because that's just what I was a match for. But when I opened for her, um, a relative of hers who had a very dark passing came through. Uh-oh. And so it was very uncomfortable. And I didn't know what was going on. Cause again, I didn't even know any of this was, po- I didn't, I had just been making up my beliefs. I didn't know that when the energy from our physical beings crosses over, it might not know that it's crossed over. I I had zero concept of this. And I ended the session really quickly. I was like, we can't keep doing this. The light started flickering. The dog started freaking out. Um, (laughs) It it was crazy. And so I called. My mom had just signed me up for Reiki classes. She's a Reiki master. Mm And she's like, call Lourdes, the teacher. And so I called her and she goes, I have this class on walking the dead this weekend. You're going to take it. And this is when my eyes were open to there's so much more going on than just the physical because this whole room of Reiki practitioners get together and they help these souls who don't know that they've 
passed from the physical, they help them cross over into the light. And the fact that this whole group of people are seeing the same thing at the same time, it seemed to like the the same part of my brain that wanted to be atheist was like, wow, this seems too logical to not support, to not believe in because we all would have the same visions and the same experiences of some souls would would not want everyone to help them cross. The one that came through to me for my friend only wanted I think it ended up just being me and the teacher to help him cross. Mm-hmm. So like we would all have these same experiences and it made me acutely aware that perhaps what I've been receiving isn't just this fun little dream time <laughs> that I'm having in meditation. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's beneficial messages and visions. Mm-hmm. And so I started connecting with uh, – I, I, so I call in my highest self, all beings of the highest love, light, truth, and compassion. And I ask for a vision and message for the highest, most loving good, either for the one person I'm working with one-on-one, for myself – and or for an entire group, which is what happens with my podcast and for my YouTube meditations. Mm-hmm. So I just receive and I I never really understand what it's about, but I can't question it because I've found that when I do, then I lose the moment. I fall out of it and I I, I it's harder to get back in. So mm-hmm. even when a vision will come through and it makes no sense to me, <laughs> I just <laughs> go with it. And then someone later will tell me that that had to do with X, Y, and Z related to their personal life. And how could I have ever known? So I just have to trust that there is this link between all of us that we can all tap into and serve each other by tapping into. And I think that's what's happening in these meditations. <laughs> Your meditations are extremely powerful, like I mentioned right at the beginning too. And Whenever I do them, I can feel that energy and you can feel that, you know, you are tapping into something higher when you are recording your meditation. And that's, that's really obvious, you know, that's really clear, especially for someone who knows who can, who can actually make out the difference, right? Mm-hmm. When you uh, do the meditations and when you post them, how is the process? Like you said, right? If it was something that didn't make sense and then you'd lose connection. So you have learned over time not to question it. And I believe this is not just for meditations, but for all of us, everybody who's out there putting content and sharing any kind of message out there in the world, I do believe that we can channel these messages and listen to the higher self and then put it out there. But how do you recognize that, you know, it it doesn't seem to be making sense, but how do you say, let me do this anyway, even if it doesn't make sense to me right now. So how do you reach that level? Honestly, it took outside um, evidence for me to uh, start to trust because when I would have either friends or clients who would be like, wow, what you said related to X, Y, and Z, then I thought, okay, I can't question this anymore. I just have to trust. And another thing that really helps me too is at the beginning, I always set the intention that I get out of my own way. Just like with Reiki, like you don't want this to be about you. This isn't about my energy. This isn't about me. This is this isn't about the physical uh, me that's just overthinking things. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I have to put that part of me aside and get out of my own way. But then also something new I'm just learning too for anyone who's 
who feels as though they're tapping in through their work and maybe they'll have a lesson for me, but I'm just discovering that I think I overdid it. I think I had been channeling too often, too much, and I just need to slow down. And mm. I don't know if it's if it's related to that, but I've just been feeling this, I need to slow down and do less. I'd been doing the podcast three days a week, plus the YouTube meditations one to two day- days a week, plus I make them for clients. So I had been creating so many meditations, sometimes up to 10 a day, that I had been, actually sometimes more than that, um, <laughs> that I had just felt really wiped. And mm. it feels as though the more recent ones, they've been really strong and awesome. But I'll tell you, my visions aren't always as strong. Now it's as though I'm receiving a feeling that I'm interpreting or words that I'm interpreting uh, or vague images that I'm only slightly understanding, which I guess dreams are like that anyway. That's not really anything new. But it hasn't felt as vivid. And I don't know if that's just because I'm going through this more mm, hibernation period. I really have been kind of in a a hibernation the past month Mm. or so, just taking care of myself. and Or if I had been doing too much and wore myself out. So I'm actually in the process of figuring that out right now. You know, what you said makes a lot of sense to me uh, because, see, we are, after all, in the end, no matter how powerful our intuitions are or what kind of channelers we are, uh, you know, I do believe that all of us, especially who are on the spiritual path, we are here, angels on earth, meant to help others and that's why we are here. But no matter what, uh, we are ultimately a human body. We are living in a human body. It's all in a human body. And we tend to forget that sometimes. And uh, this whole process of not overdoing it, not channeling it that much, not... You can't do that and do other things in your life. You can't be doing both together, right? Either Mm. you have to have someone take care of everything else in your life, the cooking, the cleaning, the earning, the whatever, and then you just sit and channel. It's like the, uh, the, (laughs) the, you know, the gurus and the (laughs) ancient uh, people who'd go out into the mountains and just meditate and everything else was taken care of. So either you have to do that or you have to definitely reduce the amount of time, balance out the human experiences with the angel experiences, right? You definitely need to do that. And even though, like in Reiki, it's going through you. It's not It's not in you and you are not the one who are, who is actually putting this energy out into the world. The energy is flowing through you. But even then, you can get drained out. There is always that chance. So taking big chunks of time big periods of recharging yourself uh, that is so so important and I know you know as 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 uh, podcasters or as people who are helping others who are in this whole field we feel like no 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 there's so many people waiting for our content waiting for this meditation or this episode or this post or whatever it is that I'm going to post this week so I have to push myself to do this and um, we don't have to do that they can wait right if they appreciate you. The reason they appreciate you is because of your energy. And so it is your duty, your solemn duty to actually preserve that energy, right? 
Yes. Oh my gosh. So true. And I think that actually really helps me a lot because I know that I will not be able to make a really beautiful, powerful meditation for people if I'm not putting myself first. So mm-hmm. it almost creates this uh, forced inner work process because I just – I know from experience the work just isn't as good if I am not taking care of my human body, right? Like you <laughs> said. And I was reading um, Mary Magdalene the Christianity, a Mary Magdalene revealed really great book, the Christianity we haven't tried yet. And it's it just really powerful book about Mary Magdalene's life and experience and how she was saying that what Jesus told her is that we are fully human and fully spiritual. And if we do not recognize both being perfectly fully human and perfectly fully spiritual at the same time that we're we're not getting the full picture. And mm-hmm. so I try to remind myself to let myself be fully human especially because I've been going through some some health stuff lately and so it's been a really partially partially scary but also partially beautiful process uh to really connect to that being fully human while also being fully spiritual. Well, that, that's just beautiful. And it again shows that we've all reached the next level in, in our journeys because, of course, most people are only fully human, right? <laughs> only human. And uh, we know that spirituality is needed and more and more people are going towards that direction and they are connecting, channeling and all these things. So the importance of spirituality is you know, spoken about so much and told people, meditate, do this, connect, all channel, do Reiki, all these things. They're told so much only because they're not embracing that side of themselves. But then once you have fully embraced that side of yourself, I love this, what you said, like, you know, you have to also be fully human and also be fully spiritual so that that's the only way to move uh, forward. There's a reason. If you had to be only spiritual, why did we even take a human form, right? Right, right. So true. Marissa, it's been a beautiful conversation and uh, I love the direction (laughs) it all took, right? We didn't even plan this. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. So for everybody who's listening, please tell them all about, you know, your podcast, YouTube channel, your brand, everything that you do, where they can connect and all of that. Sure. Yeah. The easiest way is probably just my website, Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A, Iman, I-M-O-N.com. And Marissa Iman, if you search that in YouTube or Instagram, it'll come right up. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one in the world. You are. Yes, yes, you're right. You know, I just type your name and it comes up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you to my grandfather who made up our last name. <laughs> uh, it worked out well for me. <laughs> but yeah, I've got like hundreds of free meditations between my website, YouTube, my podcast, Incandescent. So you can't go wrong. There's something for everyone, I hope. <laughs> and your course, uh, you know, the Time Goddess uh, course, and there is there are the courses and things like that. Everything's available on your website, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, I'm going to put your link in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much. Once again, it was a real pleasure chatting with you. And I'm so glad uh, we were able to connect today. 
Same here. Thank you so much, Sismita. It's been, I've been wanting to connect for a long time. So this was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> well, take care. Bye. Bye. I hope you found this interview with uh, Marissa really, really inspiring. I definitely did. If you've been listening to the Feel Good Factor podcast and if you've been enjoying it, I would really appreciate a rating, review or subscription on your favorite podcasting platform, especially on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget, sign up for my Ignite Your Joy mini course. It's going to be available for free until the 20th of October 2020. Check the link in my show notes or the episode's blog post and uh, enjoy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Feel Good Factor. I'm Susmita Veganosaurus and I'm looking forward to talking to you again very soon. Bye!